As we do every Wednesday, we visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. And Brian does an amazing job covering the minor leagues, but also Major League Baseball and the St. Louis Cardinals. He's busy with his prospect guide getting ready for spring training for those that will be going down there or those that watch the games on TV. His prospect guide is the guide you need when you see some of these young kids that are coming up to the big leagues. Hey, Brian, good morning. It's always good to visit with you. How are things going? Great, Dan. I think I'm doing the same thing you are, which is packing, getting ready to head to Florida, and that's a good feeling to have. Isn't it, though? Oh, man, is it good. So when are you going down? Uh, I'll be down there next week, uh, starting the Monday the 21st, and I timed my visit for when the minor league games would be going uh, full bore. Uh, but a number of those days, the Cardinals are playing, uh, you know, in the main stadium as well. So I'll kind of, you know, jump over there when the minor league uh, action ends. Yeah. What do you think minor league camp is like right now? Do you think? I was thinking about this the other day. Do you think some of these kids are kind of like, ah, man, they got this agreement figured out, and I really wanted them to be watching me solely. Do you think some of the kids feel that way? Uh, maybe, but the, I'll tell you what, the top tier of kids are delighted because now they're in big <laughs> yeah. league camp. So, you know, they, they we're talking about the Gormans and the Libertors and, the, uh, you know, the guys that, that couldn't that couldn't go, be part of Major League Camp until there was a, a deal, and not to mention the Brendan Donovans and the Jake Walshs and all who, and, and Yvonne Herreras who were locked out as part of the 40-man roster. So I think the guys that we, you know, are follow most closely have to be delighted about the fact that they can now begin to work out with the Major League Club and get in spring action. But with a compressed schedule – you know, there's going to be less opportunity for the young kids. It's going to be, you know, more. the regulars are going to need more at-bats and more innings uh, in a shorter time to get ready. How much do you think this affects the minor leaguers in terms of getting seen? And I'll go back to that because it is a shortened minor league camp, shortened games, and, uh, you know, this is now really what it's supposed to be for the major leaguers to get ready for the major league season. So how much do you think this affects some of those minor league kids? Well, I put it into numeric uh, context yesterday, I put an article up about this when I wrote about the non-roster invitees to camp. And again, the players that are on the 40-man roster, of which there's 38 right now, they automatically come to spring camp. And then an organization like the Cardinals picks a number of players who aren't yet on the 40-man, or maybe they'll never be on the 40-man, and they invite them to come to camp as well. And this year, the Cardinals invited 25% fewer non-roster players. Now, they still invited the guys that you would expect to see there, the Delvin Perez and and uh, Jordan Walker, was, it's nice to see him invited. But kind of the next tier of guys, uh, there's a dozen, 13 actually, players who were invited to spring camp last year as non-roster invitees who didn't get invited this year. And again, probably, and this isn't official, but this is my guess, there's just not enough time to have that many guys around to get a look at them all. So they'll still probably bring over some minor leaguers from the backfields on the days that, the, that uh, they're playing uh, in Roger Dean Stadium. But there's going to be less chance for some of the long shot guys this spring for sure. How about Nolan Gorman? I get asked about him all the time, and it pertains to the designated hitter. You know, the Cardinals are, are very much a right-handed hitting uh, lineup, which would change outside of Carlson and Edmund switch hitters. But if you have Gorman as your DH, now it's a left-handed thumper potentially in the middle of your lineup. Where are you right now with Nolan Gorman? I think the Cardinals will give Nolan Gorman every chance in spring camp to come in and win a job. Totally agree. Now, he's going to have totally to, agree. He's going to, you know, he's going to have to perform. There's no doubt about it, and there's a limited amount of time to do it. But we saw Nolan Gorman come up to AAA, uh, played very, very well after his adjustment period, went down to the Arizona Fall League and only got to play a short period of time before he got hurt. But he, you know, he looks like he's ready. His bat is ready for the major leagues. Now, 
you know, the only challenge with bringing Nolan Gorman up and having him be a designated hitter is he misses that everyday opportunity to play second base. So that's a trade-off the Cardinals have to play. But, you know, we saw Tommy Edmond win a gold glove last year at second base, and the Cardinals are going to be a club that clearly is going to, again, depend on his defense. And I'm sure they're a little nervous about mixing that, you know, taking risk with their defense, especially when, you know, the pitching is going to be probably a little slow to develop for all teams this year because, again, of the compressed spring training. What do you know about some of the guys that they're bringing in that you may be covering in the minor leagues or they could be in the majors? And and we're talking about pitchers. What do you know about them? Well, Zach McAllister is the is the right-hander that the Cardinals uh, signed yesterday, and they signed him to a minor league deal. So he, he'll be in big league camp, but he hasn't pitched in the major league since 2018. Six foot, six, big guy, uh, can, can – uh, get ground balls, which, you know, fits the profile of what the Cardinals want, but he's probably, Zach McAllister's probably going to be a guy who's going to be a, a long reliever in Memphis and be a depth guy if there are injuries coming. The, the guy of the three that is probably maybe most interesting now is Drew Verhagen, who was with the Detroit Tigers and went overseas for a couple of years, can start and relieve, and it's sort of, he got a two-year deal, um, not as big as Miles Michaelis, but you know, kind of you look at that profile to say, hey, a guy that maybe doesn't throw 100 miles an hour but can get outs in the major leagues. And if the Cardinals, you know, have some trouble with their rotation, uh, Drew Verhagen is a guy who's had experience starting in the major leagues and overseas and, and might step in. Uh, the other guy that they signed is a reliever named Nick Whitgren, who spent a significant amount of time with the Cleveland Indians, and is again another guy who's probably not going to close, but certainly could, uh, you know, could come in and, and uh, eat up innings. Now, there's a domino effect because both Verhagen and Whitgren got major league contracts, so now, you know, some of the guys on the back end of the bullpen, maybe the the Cody Whitleys and Ryan Helsleys and uh, Jake Woodford's are now going to you know, be in an even bigger fight for, for those jobs because as of right now, the rosters to open the season will be 26 players, and the new CBA dictates that no more than 13 of them can be pitchers. And when we had a Zoom call with John Mozeliak the other night, he said you know, that's one of his biggest you know, concerns, how to manage to that um, you know, 13 max pitcher maximum. Now, there's some talk that they might – expand the roster for a short while at the beginning of the season, but that hasn't been decided across MLB. I, I think it's got to change uh, just to keep guys protected. Would you agree? I think it should. It's a matter of money because, you know, obviously two more guys or however many more guys, you got to pay them. But I think, you know, we saw in 2010 the rash of injuries that occurred across Major League Baseball. And I think that this year there's a high risk of another year like that where so many pitchers go down. And, you know, the Cardinals were able to navigate through it, but they had to call up a lot of guys who weren't ready. So that's another reason you're seeing guys like Verhagen and Wittgren uh, signed because they just need to have more depth over the course of a, of a long season. You know, they're going to, you know, they're going to need more arms. want to thank uh, Rottler Pest Solutions, the most trusted family owned pest control company in the region. And this is the pest season. So, Log on to rottler.com, also Stratum Structural Systems at Stratum. In the wet season that is here in the spring, they can help you with any of your waterproofing issues of your home. What was your uh, initial reaction to number one, Alex Reyes, dealing with uh, some ouchiness, if you will, and then Jack Flaherty getting evaluated with a shoulder issue? What's your evaluation of those two guys? Well, you know, it's just so tough to see for Alex Reyes, who was one of the top pitchers in prospects in baseball for so long. And, you know, he, he really looked like he had stepped into that closer role the first half of last year. And then, of course, he, he wore down as the season went on and ultimately lost that job. And Alex is just a, is a great 
I, I was say young man. He's he's you know, a great kid. He, he is. He's a he's a great he's a great man. He's now yes. he's a man now. He's not a kid anymore. But you know, Alex has just worked so hard for so long. He's just he's just I just feel badly about it as a person. Uh, Jack Flaherty. I mean, he's a guy the Cardinals need. They need they need two hundred innings from him. They need twelve fifteen wins. And you know, if if we don't know, you know, the issue with his shoulder, but shoulders aren't good. And last year it was an oblique. Uh, so you know, I don't know if the two are connected, but. You know, if, if Jack Flaherty's not able to go for a significant part of the season, this is going to be a major blow to the Cardinals. It'll be interesting to see, with so many free agents out there still available, what John Mozeliak and Mike Gersh do to potentially backfill. You know, of the aforementioned guys that they brought in, do you see any of those guys making a, a major impact? And I, I have to wonder if they felt that this may be coming, and that's why they went out and brought in some of the pitchers that we just talked about. Yeah, I I don't I mean let's face it, none of these guys are guys that most people have ever heard of. They're not gonna replace Jack Flaherty. I, exactly. I'm thinking you know, I, I they're more depth guys. They're more guys to you know, when you need numbers and you need guys to eat innings. But I, I think if Jack Flaherty's out for an extended period of time, and again, that's not confirmed, that's just uh, you know, talking, but they're gonna have to they need to go out and get an experienced major leaguer. Uh, last year we saw that they kind of put their toe in the water when they got Lester and Happ and LeBlanc. But I think they might even have to go, you know, even a step farther, and that's going to spend money that they maybe weren't planning to spend. But the Cardinals are in a situation in a division that's very winnable. Um, the Reds are certainly now they're rebuilding. The Pirates are still rebuilding, and so now it's you know, and the Cubs are rebuilding as well. So it's really going to be the Brewers and the Cardinals. And with the playoffs expanded to uh, to twelve teams, six per league, you know, the Cardinals are in a very good position to get in the playoffs if they can just you know, get back to winning 90 games again. You know, Brian, it was interesting to see some of the rule changes that were implemented in the minor leagues a year ago, and that's going to apply again in 2022. We're talking about expanded pitch clock for all full-season leagues, larger bases, all full-season leagues, defensive position requirement, that's a double-A, class-A levels, and expanded automatic ball strike system with a challenge, and that's a triple-A and low A Southeast. What do you think about some of these rules, and, and what did you take away from seeing them last year? Well, the pitch timer actually, I think, got started even in, in 2020. It used it in the Arizona Fall League, and I attended a number of games with it. It was 15 seconds, 20 seconds between pitches, and the pitchers don't like it because they don't like any rules that are, you know, kind of dictate their pace. But the reality is once people got used to it, it wasn't a big deal. And the fact that supposedly games were 20 minutes shorter when they – when they had this pitch timing rule, I think it's a good thing. I, I, I think this is a good rule to continue to explore, and you know, maybe we'll see it in the major leagues before too long. The larger bases are something you don't, you don't really tell. Uh, again, they're expanding the bases from 15 to 18 inches, but the bases are still aligned with the line, which puts you then basically six inches closer to the next base, so to speak. And that is designed to you know, get a little more excitement in the game, maybe a little more steals, but also maybe uh, you know, fewer injuries. So, again... Uh, it's in the background, but if it can help make the game more exciting, I think it's great. Probably the most controversial one. Well, no, I guess I guess automated ball strikes most. Controversial. Oh yeah, for sure. But one of the most one of the most controversial is the is the, basically the banning the shift, and that that is they're going to require two infielders on each side of the second base bag. I didn't see whether they have to be on the dirt or not, but some of the leagues expanded you know experimented with that as well because you know as we see in some uh, ship. You know, you've got your second baseman basically playing short right field. You know, this is this is a rule that you know is controversial. Uh, a lot of folks think, well, you know, why can't hitters just react? But 
uh, you know, and adapt, but they really can't. So I'm a little bit, the jury's still out on me on that one. I, I want to watch it a little more. And the automated balls and strikes uh, in Memphis is not going, Memphis's division is not going to be using it this year, except in Charlotte. So they'll only see it, uh, you know, in a couple of the road trips this year, but you know, it's coming. I think it's only a matter of the technology being, you know, refined. And you mentioned before the idea of challenges. And I think that, you know, gives the managers a little bit more of an opportunity at least to, um, you know, participate in the process versus just having to sit back and accept what the machine says. What do you think spring training is going to be like? They're going to open up games starting Friday. The first game, you could see that on Valley Sports Midwest. Uh, my understanding is every game will be televised or at least on radio, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. We're doing, I think, seven games on, on Valley Sports Midwest, but what do you think it's going to be like in a condensed schedule? And the reason I bring that up is that normally – you would have Nolan Arenado in the beginning of a, a spring training camp, and you're watching the game, and he gets one at bat, maybe two, and then he's you know going to play golf or workout or whatever. Do you think that's different with just a uh, a short amount of time to get ready for the regular season? Meaning you're going to see your regulars in there a little bit longer than usual. Yeah, I think definitely, Dan. I mean, you know, we're talking about basically a, a spring season that starts on the 18th and and is done uh, by the 5th of of April, and that's you know at least a week, maybe a week and a half shorter than usual. And so, you know, the major leaguers know what they need to do to get ready. Uh, but on the pitching side, you know, hitters, you know, it's a little easier for them to get ready. The pitchers, you know, they can only pitch every fifth day, for example, for starters. So, you know, you look at an Adam Wainwright, I mean, the calendar says he's only going to get three, maybe four starts in the spring. And so how's he going to get built up to pitch, uh, you know, 100 pitches and, and go like six innings? He won't. And so now we're back to this, what's the size of the roster and who are the other guys who are going to try to eat the innings? And by the way, another rule that was passed this year that we didn't talk about is that the number of times that a player can be sent back and forth to the minor leagues is now at five. A player can only be optioned out five times during the course of a year, where before they could do it every 10 days or every 14 days, send a guy down, bring him back, send him down, bring him back. But, you know, so it's, again, it's going to put more pressure on teams to try to manage they're pitching, and spring training is going to be a microcosm, I think, of what we're going to see uh, this season. Guys not going as deep, and the teams with depth are going to be the ones that will step forward. Is there any doubt in your mind that uh, Adam Wainwright is your Game 1 opening day starter at Bush Stadium? Not for me. I, I If they didn't, I think that would be a major surprise. I think, <laughs> I mean, seriously, he's deserved it. He's deserved it. I mean, you know, he, when he and Molina, you know, they'll get the biggest ovations as they, as they rightfully should, whether it's their last year or not. You know, I think maybe it will be for Adam, for Molina. You know, Yadi, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know until he actually finally decides. Exactly. But, but you know, they've been, they've been such a great part of the franchise for so long. They, you know, they deserve that moment. In terms of, uh, and I always joke about this, but it's serious, I love your guide, your prospect guide, and looking ahead uh, to these kids that are going to be major leaguers very, very soon. So in spring training, you might see a, a number 89 pop up. I hear his name being called out by John Frost down at uh, down in Jupiter, and I sit there and go, well, I've read about him, but I'm not really sure all about him. It's, it's tough to know, you know, 60 guys, Brian. I'm trying my best and read promos and do everything else I got to do. So I go to your prospect guide, which is – such a valuable resource for me. Question is, how do you do this? How do you put it all together? It's 200 pages sometimes of trying to figure out who these kids are. And and I say kids, they are kids. Some of them are 18, 19, 20 years old. Those are kids. 
So how do you put all, you know, all that together and, and make it work? The, the, the whole idea of ranking prospects is, is challenging itself because you look at where the player is today and you try to assess, number one, can he reach the major leagues? And if he does, what kind of role will he play? And that basic assessment is kind of where you start. And you figure out, okay, which guys can make it, which guys can be starters, which guys might have the potential to one day be an all-star or, you know, very rarely a future Hall of Famer. And it's, you know, shaped like a pyramid. And as you evaluate these, we evaluate them. I have, we have reporters in each of the minor league cities over the summer. We talk to scouts. We talk to player development people in and out of the Cardinals organization. We start to form these opinions. And then in the fall, we put together our rankings for the year, and we go in detail in the write-ups on these players. And then that's the core of the, of the prospect guide where we cover – uh, 50 players that we think are the top in the system, but then there are always some that just miss or that are close to reaching, and we identify a sleeper pick every year. And we not only provide scouting reports, we also provide a lot of background on where they came from, you know, how they've developed, and where we think they're going to play this year, where do we think they can play in the future, and ultimately where they end up. And then we wrap that with information about last season and a look back into history of the Cardinals minor leagues, whether it's drafts or international or awards or whatever it may be. Dan, 276 pages this year. I'm really, really wow. proud of the work that we put out. I think that if folks uh, buy it, you'll not be disappointed. Oh, I, I'm never disappointed. How'd you come up with 276 pages? Holy smokes. Well, there's, there's not only a lot of content, but there's a lot of color photos as well. One of the things that I do that I love to do when I'm at games is I take photos of, uh, of all the minor leaguers in action, and so there's lots of good action photos of pretty much every player that we, uh, that we talk about. Give me a player that you cannot wait to see when you go down uh, to Jupiter, and, and you and I will cross paths, so we'll, we'll do this in person next week down in Jupiter, Florida, but give me a player that you want to watch. I, I don't care if it's a major leaguer, uh, somebody on the backfields I've never heard about, but somebody you're saying, i got to go watch that kid. Who is it? Well, you know, the, the Cardinals – um, the Cardinals second rounder last year, uh, Joshua Baez, um, big kid, um, 6'4", 220, came out of the Northeast. Yeah. I, saw yeah. him, I saw him down in the, the Florida Complex League, and uh, he was still finding his way against off-speed pitches. But Joshua Baez just looks like a big leaguer. And, you know, it's kind of he kind of has that same look, look that Jordan Walker did when he came out. But, you know, I don't know if he's going to find it, you know, figure it out this year as well as Walker did. Because, uh, you know, but Joshua Baez is a guy that I want to see this year and see if he's made, you know, made progress over the winter after his first partial year as a professional. Yeah, it's good. Uh, best way to get your guide. And again, I, I tell everybody, get the prospect guide because you're going to hear about these kids. We're getting back to normalcy. Uh, AAA is going to play, what, 160 games or 50 games, 150 games this year? What is it, Brian? I, I forget. Yeah, and, and, and the reason they've done that is they've extended the AAA season to parallel the Major League season so that uh, if there's injuries you know, down the final stretch in the games, there'll be players ready to be called up. So, yeah, the, the AAA is going to be basically playing through the whole month of September, which is, which is great for the minor leaguers to have more opportunity to potentially be called up. It's sort of like – Juan Yepes was at the end of last year, although he didn't, you know, get to get to play with St. Louis. I mean, it's a big honor. He got moved to the 40-man roster and and joined the team for the wild card in Los Angeles. So, you know, it gives minor leaguers hope that if they play well, that you know, the big league club might give them a call. Absolutely. Okay. So, best way to get the uh, prospect guide? What is it? Uh, come to the Cardinal Nation, right at the top, right next to the uh, the icon that says the Cardinal Nation. There's an area that says Order 2022 Prospect Guide. You can click on it. You can read about what the guide is. You can read about the foreword that you wrote. Thank you very much. You bet. Um, you can see the table of contents, so you can see every section that's in the guide. 
Awesome stuff, Brian. Uh, Love doing this every Wednesday. I know our fans that listen to this appreciate what you do. I do as well. And uh, thanks for doing it. And I look forward to being in person. Finally, uh, I think it's the first time since 2000, maybe December, January of 2019 that uh, you and I will be in person. So we'll have a chance to record this and, and put it out for everybody. But really looking forward to that. We'll see you next week in Jupiter.